Bible study. Um, today we're going to talk about something that I think um, we're all in need of because we are human as well as believers. A lot of people just want to make us holy and nothing else. Um, but we are human and we are constantly becoming more Christ-like. So it's important to understand that so that we don't, we're not in bondage and so that we can grow in a healthy way so that we can understand each other and how God is going to work in our lives. So we're going to see in the text that I'm going to present today about three scenarios that commonly happen in the lives of believers. And we're going to look at how it's handled in the Bible. We're going to try and think of some ways that uh, maybe we might handle it today um, or how that might apply to our own lives. So go with me right now, grab your Bible, and let's go ahead and get into the Word of God. I I want you to go to Acts, Acts chapter 13. Now Acts is really important because it's the time after Christ's ascension when the church is really sort of trying to gain its footing. It's trying to figure out what are the right protocols to do, how to interface with each other as believers in this newfound faith and in this way of So this is really pivotal for believers, I think, in terms of understanding how we are to move forward even today. And even though the times have changed, um, the prescriptions are still the same and they're still very good and they can answer a lot of questions that we might have. So I'm going to start reading in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucian of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Um, And then, so I want you to think about this idea that, you know, um, a lot of believers were together, teachers and prophets, and they were praying, and the Holy Spirit asks them to call out you know, Paul and Barnabas to this work, and they went and they're preaching. So we see now that they're going through these cities, they're preaching and teaching in the synagogues to the Jews, and then we're going to come up on another issue. Just two uh, chapters down, we see something very interesting happens, and I want you to remember that even though Barnabas and Paul are named as the duo here, there's also a gentleman called John. He is known as their minister, and he's with them in this. So even though uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas are together, they're considered, you know, the guys who were doing this kind of preaching, also a gentleman called John is with them. So we're going to go now to Acts chapter 15, verse 35, is where we're going to pick up the story of Paul, Barnabas, and their minister, John. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others. And some days after Paul, after Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brothers in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with 
with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take them with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brothers to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, this is a really interesting um, scenario where we have two men who were called by God, called to go together. Uh, as a team and they brought along this guy called John and we saw him up in verse cha- uh, in chapter 13 as a guy who was going with them but just two chapters down and we don't know how long they were going through these cities I'm, I'm imagining it could have taken months for them to go throughout these um, cities preaching and teaching and visiting with different churches so I'm guessing it could have been it could have been months it could have been years we just don't know Um, but from the text we can see that these gentlemen were preaching and doing the word of God together and they had brought along this gentleman called John whose surname was Mark now later on in chapter 15 we find out that something happened along the way um, where this guy John just sort of defected or he just decided not to go with them. He just, I guess he bailed. Things got tough and he just disappeared. And so at some point he's come back and they're thinking about going back and sort of retracing their steps to see how those churches are doing after they've preached there. And this is a good idea. They, they're all in agreement with the idea that they need to go back and do that. But what they're not in agreement on is bringing this guy along called John Mark. This guy is considered, I guess maybe he's flaky, maybe he's he's got some sort of issue with his faith, maybe something's going on with him, but for whatever reason, Paul is absolutely opposed to bringing him along, and they say that the contention between them was so great, because Barnabas, on the other hand, was absolutely um, convinced and determined to take this gentleman with them. So we have two people who are actually at odds with each other over a guy who, let me just be honest, was not essential. I understand that Barnabas wanted to bring along this guy, John. Maybe he was forgiving. Maybe he saw that the guy had turned around. Maybe the guy really had turned around. I mean, we don't know his heart. We don't know all of the details of this scenario. But we do know that Barnabas was willing to give him a second chance. Paul was not. But, or maybe Paul wanted to wait more time and see, you know, just where his heart was. But in any case, this caused a great contention between them and it caused them uh, to really have a problem so that they went their separate ways. And I think it's really important to notice that in this last, um, that in the last two verses in which we read in chapter 15, it says, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brothers to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. So basically, Paul decides to just go ahead and go back and confirm those churches. And he's taking this other dude along with him called Silas. And I'm not saying Silas is any better or any worse than Barnabas, but there's been a significant break. And I think it's really important to know that they made a significant break in their team that was ordained by the Holy Ghost because of a non-essential man called John Mark. John Mark, maybe he should have gone, maybe he shouldn't, we don't know. But we do know 
the text when the believers got together in chapter 13 and they were praying to see what team should be sent out it was revealed that it should be you know um paul and barnabas there was no you know comment about john mark we don't know and i think it's important to note that it says that you know um that uh, Barnabas was determined to bring John Mark. And so I want to kind of note something here. You know, I've read this several times as a believer, and I've always thought it just seemed odd that they would just break up over this, you know, contention. But if you can go back and go to Philemon, you'll see that Paul finds himself in the same situation again. This is the second time Paul finds himself in a situation with a believer who has defected. And this time, and this time, Paul is singing a quite different tune. And I want us to read that now. I think this is powerful. I mean, I don't think it was until this year, I think it's this year, um, that I realized that we have two situations that sort of mirror each other in the Bible that uh, involve Paul and involve this idea of a, um, I guess, a, 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 um, someone who abandons the faith or runs off or decides he's going to do something else. Now, this is the second situation that's posed in the Bible, and I would like to say I don't think that it is a, um, I don't think it is, um, you know, a coincidence that this occurs. I think it is important to note that this is happening a second time in the Bible, and I think that everything that is there, it has a reason for why it's there. So let's go ahead and read the story of what happens in Philemon. Now we're going to start in Philemon. There's only one chapter in Philemon, so it's a quick read, but we're not going to read all of it. We're going to start at chapter um, one, and we're going to start at verse nine. So let's get started. This is what Paul says. Yet, for love's sake, I rather beseech you, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to you unprofitable, but now profitable to you and to me, whom I have sent again, you therefore receive him, that is, my bow, own bowels. The whole scripture uh, and chapter is about him begging this gentleman to please take Onesimus back. That's really what it's about, him begging on behalf of Onesimus. He's asking Philemon, this very godly, righteous man, to please take Philemon, I'm sorry, to take on Onesimus, um, even though this guy has obviously defected, you know, and we have to understand that there's something here going on um, that we see in both scenarios. We have two scenarios, and in, in... both scenarios we have Paul he is the common denominator in both of these scenarios we also have a situation where we have someone who is defected now I don't know if this means that um, Paul has 
you know, an interesting personality, I don't know, but it does show two situations where these gentlemen uh, have had someone who is going along with them and who suddenly defects, and I think that's because a lot of times we don't want to say this and we don't want to believe this, but in the faith, a lot of people fall off the edge, they fall off the cupboard, you know, they fall off, quite frankly, and that's not something that we talk about a lot, that a lot of people um, are in the faith and then they something happens and they become disillusioned, something happens and they decide they're going to do something else, uh, maybe something hard happens in their life and people fall off they fall off the wagon okay and that's something that we as believers have to be more aware of and understand that that's a reality that's going to happen we know that in the end times also the bible says there's going to be a great falling away so that means a lot of people are going to fall away from the faith but whether we're seeing that or not is debatable. But what we do know is, is that even in the early church, we saw people who at one time were in the work of the Lord suddenly falling away. And in this instance, we see them sometimes coming back. So it's important to understand that there is a situation that does go on where people can fall into something. They can have moments when, you know, um, maybe they're disillusioned or they fall into some sort of sin or they're overtaken by something. And that is why the Bible is always, you know, uh, telling us to be careful about how we live and who we are interacting with and involving ourselves and, and not to be weary in the work that we do. And I'm going to read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, verse 13 it says but you brothers be not weary in well doing and if any man obey not our word by his letter note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed yet count him not as an enemy but admonish him as a brother this is something that I don't think we as believers do that's why there is this idea that Christians aren't falling away or that some Christians don't fall away from the word of God because we don't follow these very difficult and hard scriptures that are in the Bible that are here. This is right after um, our Lord has ascended on to glory and now the church is trying to regulate itself and you're seeing people daily being added to the church but there's something quiet right here in the background that's happening and we're just not really acknowledging the fact that there are people that are stepping away from the faith and then coming back and stepping away from the faith and then coming back and they actually spoke to this in the scriptures because this was happening. Not only did you have churches that would suddenly fall into debauchery, um, you know, and that's talked about in some of the epistles, but you would also have people who just, I mean, they just fell away and started doing some things. You know what I mean? That were kind of questionable. And that happens. And I think we need to be honest about that. And we need to be honest about the prescriptions that the Bible gives us to follow to do that. And some of those prescriptions are hard and are difficult to do, but are necessary to do. As we see in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, if you read from 13 all the way down to verse 15, it tells us that we shouldn't be weary in well-doing. But it also tells us when there are some who become weary in well-doing, 
that they decide not to obey the word or the letter, then to have no company with them, that they may be ashamed, and that you should not count them as an enemy. It's absolutely important to understand that you're not, you know, uh, shunning this person because you hate them. You're doing it for a specific reason. And the reason we do it is because we want that person to come back to the Lord. And sometimes the only way that's going to happen is if we let that person go. And, you know, see, I do believe there's this idea where you have a form of godliness that denies the power of it. I believe if, if, if the Lord is powerful enough to save a sinner, he's powerful enough to bring back a believer that falls off the wagon, too. Even if we have to abandon him, not count him as an enemy, if we have to step away from him, God can bring him back. The same God that brought him in the first time can bring him back. So we have to be aware of that. We have to be open to that. We have to understand that God can do these things. And following the Lord's, you know, prescriptions, what's in the Bible to do, that's going to yield better results than keeping this individual around who has literally fallen off the wagon maybe they're into something doing something a part of something and we know it but we're not really you know saying anything about it we're not confronting them we're not stepping away as the bible has directed us now i want us to uh, i want to draw out this word admonish uh, which it says in second thessalonians chapter 3 verse 15 it said yet count him not as an enemy but admonish him as a brother and that word admonish in the greek is nothetateo and that means to admonish to exhort to warn to counsel especially through instruction it means to exert a positive force it does not strictly mean correction it means to urge them to choose or turn to God. That is our position when we see a brother or sister that falls off the wagon. It is to kind of take a step back from that person. But when we do have those interactions that we are pressing them to do the right thing, we're saying to them, go and sin no more. Our word shouldn't be, well, let's find a way to make you comfortable in it or a way to you know, maneuver this so it doesn't seem so bad. Our rule is to step away and then to admonish. If you look in Proverbs chapter 11, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 11 to 14, it tells us what happens when the word of God and the counsel of God is not, you know, heeded. It tells about the young man, so, you know, who kind of goes off and does his own thing. And I'll read that now in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 11. It says, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the middle of the congregation and assembly. And it's really important to understand that the rejection of reproof has a weight. We are to teach, to instruct, and reprove and that is what um, this verse is talking about in Proverbs. It's telling us to reprove. It's telling us to tell that person so that they have something that they can think back on. No matter what it is that they've turned to do, they at least need the word there. They need 
someone to say hey you know what you, you're not no that's that's not what we're supposed to do hey come back you know it's really important that we do that that's part of our work too our work is just not telling you know unbelievers about the gospel and preaching and teaching each other it's also about reproof it's also about helping each other become better believers let's look at second thessalonians chapter 3 verse 14 again it says and if any man obey not our word by this letter note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed jesus did the same thing for the woman found in adultery he admonished her he warned her and urged her he counseled her all of that he did all of that when he said go and sin no more he named what she was doing as sin he told her what her she needed to do in order to rectify the situation and it was complete counseling it was counseling it was admonishment it was everything rolled up into a small sentence one small sentence go and sin no more in both instances we um you know in both instances with paul we see a man that has turned away we don't how long it was in the first instance that this minister named John had walked away and come back, but Paul felt it was important not to take him. And still, you know, since it was the spirit that had told Paul and Barnabas to go together, even though taking John may or may not have been a good idea, Paul and Barnabas being together was the leading of the spirit. And so you have a situation where there's a gentleman who may or may not be on course, we don't know. And we have two people who are being led by the Spirit to work together in a team, and then they break up because of an individual that they're not clear on what he's about or what it is that he's doing. That's not really a good idea. Um, The contention should not have been great enough to break a team that the Spirit chose. That's really key and fundamental. No matter what it is that you're doing in life, if the Spirit has led you in a particular direction, the Word of God says do this, there should be nothing that comes that leads you elsewhere that says you know just scrap all that um but i think it's interesting that later as an old man paul calls himself the aged he has an almost exactly similar experience with onesimus he begs his brother um philemon to accept this man and also indicates that for a time this onesimus has gone away too and that they count it you know perhaps he had been counted a foe until he returned you know sometimes we as believers you know we 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 allow people to do certain things and because we're trying to be so loving we don't really give them the word that they need that really helps them to do better you know some men who transgress or backslide or do deeds that are outside of the faith must go away for a time so that they may be brought to repentance and sometimes we have to let them go so that they do not defile the fold. That's an absolute important part too. And that's something that I see too that happens is that a lot of times we see someone has slipped into a particular sin or maybe they've slipped into some sort of horrible thing and we just sort of let them go. And in both instances, with Paul and Barnabas and Philemon and Onesimus, the decision to take back the wayward guy or the wayward brother Um, was not a mandate from God. It was not a mandate. In either one of these situations, we don't see anything where it says the Lord said, you have to take back Onesimus or you have to take back John. And it's important that in an effort to bring on or reconcile a brother to the faith that we do not break 
take up what God has called. Not accepting John or Onesimus, the two defectors in these scenarios, did, you know, really did nothing. It, it just meant that they were not being brought in to serve this church. Remember that there were many small churches around that they could have gone to stay or to serve. And as we learned in the study on keeping yourself and others from spiritual contagion, you know, as it says in Galatians 6 and 1, sometimes it's painful, but it's necessary. We miss them, but we must believe that God can restore them. It can be a friend, an associate, a pastor, a child, or an elder. We have to step back and let God do his perfect work because if we don't let God do his perfect work, what are we doing then? We want that person to come back and we want them to come back soon. And I want to note something between the two scenarios. So we have the first scenario where Paul and Barnabas are together and Barnabas wants to, you know, reconcile or bring back uh, John. But then we have the second scenario of Paul and, um, I'm sorry, Paul and uh, Philemon, and Paul wants to bring back Onesimus. We have this scenario, and we're not really sure what happened in this scenario because it doesn't really say whether Philemon took on Onesimus or not. It just doesn't say that. It's just a very long letter about Paul asking, you know, uh, Philemon to bring this guy on. But I want you to notice that Paul's posture with Philemon um, and Barnabas' posture with Paul was absolutely different. I think it's really important to remember that Barnabas was resolute. He was like, I'm determined that this guy, John, is coming with us. But in this instance, Paul was pleading with Philemon to take on Onesimus. And if a brother doesn't want to take back another, we must not be so resolute that we break the unity of the direction of the Spirit. So I hope you'll take this time to, you know, read through these scriptures. It's two very interesting scenarios that are going on. But I think that our ultimate goal should be the unity of the brotherhood and the faith and understand that sometimes people do fall away, but that doesn't mean they can't come back. I think sometimes we forget they can. Just because, you know, people fall or have a falling down or make mistakes, that doesn't mean they can't come back and come back stronger than ever. And I believe that I believe in the full and total power of God to bring people back, to mend relationships, to bring families together after years and years. Sometimes you just have to let go and then it will come back. The Bible says, cast your bread on the waters and after many days it will return to you. Sometimes you just have to let things go and let God bring it around full circle. Have trust and belief in God. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this Bible study. Um, thank you so much. Don't forget to support me at paypal.me forward slash forward slash Leela Winston altogether. And also you can click the link in my uh, Twitter, which is One Love Live. Um, and if you click in that on Twitter, there is my Patreon link as well. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. Bye.
can get a 60 second or 30 second slot at this broadcast now guys as you know this is a religious broadcast so i cannot do advertisements or sponsorships that do not fit within the context of a believer's life so if you have resources or Uh, services or products that you think would be edifying to the body of Christ, even if you also have a podcast and you'd like to advertise that here, I would be happy to share that with listeners. You can reach out to me, check out the link in the description, and you can also contact me um, at the link below. There's a little contact section and you can leave me a message. So thanks so much. Don't forget to follow me on social media and I at twitter.com forward slash one love live that's o-n-e-l-u-b-l-i-v-e thanks so much god bless and i look forward to hearing from you bye